Hello and welcome to the Empathy for Breakfast show. I am Mimi Nicklin and I am your host of a show that travels the world, talking to people from all corners of our planet about empathy, about our ability to connect and to understand each other and how that is changing our world. These conversations won't only unpack the amazing power of empathy in our societies and our businesses, but they will remind us that we are all far more alike than we are different. I believe that there has never been a better time to talk about empathy, to talk about our need to reconnect as people, as human beings. The more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. So let's get talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Empathy for Breakfast show. Today, I'm joined by Jill Ebenoitzer from Georgia, of all the most wonderful places to be speaking to today. Jill is a creative entrepreneur. She's the founder of Maison Avaza. She's an NLP coach, and she's a digital innovation advisor for fintech businesses. She spent much of her life in the corporate world, and now she's creating the most amazing central hub for individuals to help really reveal your most authentic self from the inside out and do this amazing magical thing that fuses well-being and fashion. So Jill, I'm incredibly excited to be having this conversation and to share with the world how important who we are and how we see ourselves is. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mimi. You are so welcome. I'm, I'm so thrilled you're here. I want to start off by talking about empathy very, very much front and centre. What does empathy mean to you, Jim? Okay, so I lean towards a very classic definition of empathy. It's uh, listening, observing, and reflecting. And I believe it starts from self and goes inside out. So once you listen to yourself, observe your thought process, and take time to reflect, you are much more able to do the same for others. Couldn't agree more. I so often say that self-empathy is the key to all empathy right? We have to understand ourselves, as you said, before you can connect with others. And I think that this last year and a bit has really changed how people do that and, and see that and understand that. What have you seen? Do you think empathy's increased or, or decreased over this month? And in the corporate world, you work a lot in tech. It's a very tough, edged industry. What do you think has been happening in this last year? Last year has been the most challenging, but most exciting as well. And we have observed so many trends. Uh, but key that COVID a pandemic brought waves of emotions, you know, it was so hard initially to even realize what was going on, right? So it took time for people to even accept the reality. And that was the hardest part. But as a result, we sat back and all of us took more time to really listen and pause. And I think it was given from the world to push this pause button and we were kind of pushed to reflect on our lives and our priorities and I'm so proud and I was so exciting to see how humanity came together for good and I truly believe that new normal people will um, prioritize well-being and empathy so much more what I see uh, with the customers if I compare customers prior to a uh, pandemic uh, the requirements we are more oh I 
I want to look this way or I want to be this kind of personal brand. And then with COVID, people are like, you know what? I want to feel this way and I want people to be able to see that. So I think going forward, our life becomes more checking in with ourselves. Is this really what I want to be? And is this really who I am? And then how do I do this? How do I communicate my persona to the outside world? So from being outside in, we transformed into inside out versus prior, we had so much of expectation is being in a tech environment and corporate, Mimi, you know better than I do. Like there's so many expectations and frameworks and uh, all all these uh, flights and commute and business meetings and juggle around life. There was so less time for empathy and for self-reflection and COVID brought this to us. It was kind of a luxury, you know what? Yeah, I've given this time and it's kind of once lifetime chance. Why don't we just change and transform? And one of the things I realized is that it's so much easier to build your personal brand in transformation phase and go somewhere new, completely new. And that's easier. Uh, It's much more difficult to change perception versus to go and build it from scratch. I feel like you said so many really interesting things there. I, I love the idea of inside out versus outside in. I think that's a really accurate reflection and a really simple way of putting it, this transformation of all of us going from what you said, which was, you know, how do I need to look versus how do I need to feel or how do I want to feel, which is beautiful. I I just love that. Um, And then the other thing that you were saying at the end, which no one has said to me before, but resonates massively with my own journey, which is that in a period of transformation, it's easier to transform. And of course, all of my work in the empathy space really kicked off right in the pandemic from my bedroom. And I'd never really thought of it like that. But I think that's such a a powerful insight that when everything's in a period of change, you can go with that change, which is fascinating. Now, tell me, Jill, I know you've told me briefly before a little bit of your own story um, in the corporate world, in work, in the tech industry, and how you sort of came to discover your own identity, particularly with fashion and how you look and how you dressed. Tell us a little bit about that story and how that has impacted now what has become your new professional work with Maison Avaza. Of course. So uh, it comes back to this transformation phase. But let me go back to my childhood. I was born in Georgia. And um, uh, since I was a child, I was kind of pretty much picking up my style and what to wear. And at some point at school, it got a bit extravagant by wearing like French or Italian style hats and stuff. I don't know. Maybe it was kind of my statement. I wanted to say this is who I am inside. But then my first job was in bank. And I, as we all do, like all of a sudden suits became my new normal. And um, I was excited at some point, but um, I, was, I don't know if it was really me. Then I moved to the Netherlands for my MBA and started working for a multinational company uh, where I was pretty much in a transformation phase. No one knew me like old me. And I had this opportunity of building myself or my perception. Back then, I did not think about it. But what happened is that I pretty much uh, unconsciously tried to adjust. And it reflected on my style, but not only on my style, but also on my personality and on me being perfectionist. Until one day when I read this book of Renee Brown, The Gift of Imperfection. I was like, 
oh my gosh, it's not only me. So I looked at the mirror and I said, there is something missing. And the missing part was me. And what I realized was also that style had a huge part of it. And it's not because I had to look a certain way, but it was not reflective to my self-identity. And uh, I did not feel freedom and joy. So I decided, let me just go back to what I feel I want to wear. And that's what I started. And all of a sudden, my eyes sparkle. I was always smiling. And uh, it was such a transformation. I started getting these comments of, oh, you grew up so much. You look different and you are more professional. But it was just this internal transformation of believing and trusting in myself and connecting to my core and values. And I think that's very important. And this really, really helps anyone incorporate on your daily life to liberate yourself and accept who you are and be free of showing it. And Jill, if I may ask, I'm not going to ask your age, but what what area of your years were you in when you made that transformation? Were you in your 20s, your 30s? Like where, where were you? Yeah, I was in my late 20s. And then a thing happened, like in my early 30s, I got this severe burnout. And I think it's important to share this. So when I was in corporate world, I I was fortunate enough to have a global career and meet uh, females or uh, my male colleagues or just international uh, business people who were working in different industries. And uh, they would make this comment of how this dress is so nice and then women back then had the desire to wear their feminine wardrobe without being judged. So that's when I became very observant of uh, emotions and human brain. And I started studying NLP. And I realized it was not only psychological state or setting up right priorities or standalone styles that would help you build your authentic personal brand, but the combination of those because the synergy would liberate people and feel them free and then communicate freely. Like, I think life is kind of your stage and it's up to you how you play your life, right? And um, when I had the burnout, uh, I think this is um, one of the key uh, learnings I had was uh, it's so important to accept situation around you and who you are. Because um, one of the things I realized was I was living in denial, especially when I got this burnout uh, I was like this could not have happened with me like no I should go back and I should do things but until I accepted it I could not really move to the healing stage which is it simply applies to everything to your personality to your identity to your personal brand or this is a word a bit of buzzword I don't believe in personal brands I think it's just be who you are and that's the most authentic and everything that's authentic resonates to people and connect I love that and you know when we first spoke this uh, you know a similar conversation at the time I resonated so much with with what you're saying because in my career uh, I always did very well uh, in my 20s and I always felt like because I was climbing that ladder I had to look a certain way so if I look back at the wardrobe that I was wearing until my early 30s it was very corporate even though I was in advertising so advertising gives you free reign right I mean in this industry you can wear whatever you want 
Um, however, because I was in sort of the client servicing side of it, I always was in these kind of shift dresses and you know, very simple dresses and pearl earrings and all those things that I felt made me look the part of the, you know, the senior leader in the room and, and helped age me in some way because I was younger than most people in the room. And then in my 30s, I don't know, I just got bored of that. Mid 30s, really, I suddenly realized, hang on a minute, this is totally ridiculous. I'd be much more comfortable in something else. And on this journey I've been in, in in the Middle East, turning around a business, through all the sort of turmoil that I went through, I definitely found who I wanted to be. And, and I mean, from a style point of view, well, also from an author, because it's when I wrote my book. But that sort of connection of me finding what I believe in in the world, me writing the book, me discovering empathy and finding who I want to be authentically in the world got me to where I am. And I did change my wardrobe. Not on purpose. It wasn't a conscious thing. It just happened and like you said then you find yourself just feeling better now why must I wear a navy blue shift dress versus an orange cotton dress why can't I wear orange to work so I think your story is going to resonate with with so many people I want to ask you do you think it's the same for men as well as for women it's very important and even though most of our clients are women I love observing both genders and I totally believe 100% it's same for men I think in different societies and cultures uh, there are so many different expectations and some of them are even more severe for men I had this um, conversation with my close friend the other day and he said you know what I still cry on this kind of movies I know it's not what I'm supposed to do but I do you know it's same like when we are children we have this image of ourselves and how we want to be and then in our adulthood we are taught these norms and rules of society religious family and we decide you know what i want to be this you know to make someone happy so what happens is what you just described as well versus like natural versus i should be you know and none of them is wrong or right right but it's a how you feel in it I I remember I loved tennis when I was a child and I never touched tennis racket prior to that. So, oh, I love it. And I just love the way they look. Then I started playing because I love the way they look. And it's so important to stay true to what your natural is versus what expectations are. And I always say, especially when I coach entrepreneurs or talk to them, you should never start your business to make money, but start doing what you love. And when you love something, you are free. And when you are free, you are confident. And confident is something that attracts everything positive. It's like, yeah, financial jobs come mean because you become the best in what you love and uh, someone asked me how do you do all this i'm like i never feel like i'm working it's just joy of uh, doing what i love and then you believe that you make positive impact because you help someone smile and one of the also one of the kind of achievements i would say uh, for me which is maybe tiny is that after my burnout i was so able to relate to people more on a deeper level and i helped a couple of my friends to prevent it and i would never be able to do that without because i always thought burnout was kind of yeah i'm tired or overloaded or but it's it's different and it's um it has such an impact to help people realize they are on the edge and it's time to transform and um you know i always believe life gives you some um, challenges to grow and it's always for for the better direction sometimes we just push the wrong door yes and you know again for me i, th- I think it's 
everything you're saying resonates so deeply with, with my own journey and I'm sure with many people listening because the last 15 months alone have been full of challenges, as you said. And I look back on some of them and think, I have no idea how I did that. But I did and it's now taken me to somewhere else. Now, I love what you said earlier as well about you don't believe in the term personal brand, but uh, I think you might have said, but you know, authentic self. I know you've got a program coming up called Realize Wellbeing. Tell us a little bit about why you have a program. And within that, just a couple of things that perhaps the audience can take from that that they might do today, tomorrow to start their own journey. As I said, it's all from inside out. But like, if it, it's very simple. It's just complicated by us, maybe. It all starts by your observing your thought process, right? So what we are doing in this program is helping people observe what their thought process and uh, self-talk is. And from that, connect deeper and make realize that it's simpler than they think and it's also their perception and um, give a couple of uh, tools and exercises to connect to self and be more self-aware and then we also work on the self-image side to combine the well-being part to the look but the look we define is very tailor-made so what is happening is that in this program you realize who you are as an image and who you want to be seen. And then we help you design this personal style. In many cases, it can be just that you love wearing t-shirt and it's very simple t-shirt, but that's when you shine. And that's exactly what you have to wear. And we just make it personalized. And when you make something personalized, people love it. And that's what I call authentic self and authentic brand. Um, a couple of advice, not really advice, but very simple tips takeaways I would say number one would be lean to self and self-trust trust yourself you know connect to who you are and believe in it find your core values and every day simply stand in front of the mirror and ask yourself what do you feel like wearing today there is no need for planning or pleasing others you cannot go wrong if you listen to your voice I think that's something also that helps a lot of our customers and helped me personally. And second one is to be free, like move freely, dance in life and um, have a plan and strategy, but uh, visualize everything. Visualization has a huge impact and it also uh, makes it simpler. Also visualize your daily board, make vision boards and put in front of you and uh, play in it and set small milestones, like focus on journey versus destination the destination will come and it doesn't have to be perfect but if you set small milestones which you are able to accomplish celebrate them i don't like setting huge goals which sets you for disappointment but no vice versa i think you should set goals which are very realistic and for sure celebrate it and be proud of you and one thing i like to do is um this kind of ex weird exercise and that's very optional why don't you look from to your life at your life from backwards like I like write an eulogy of yourself as that you have lived the perfect life as it should have been and life you want it to have so there are two 
versions of Evolute you have in front of it, of you, and then um, read both and observe how all those both scenarios make you feel and which one is really true to you. And now that you are still here, you have a chance to write your life from all over, right? So it's never late. Just go for it. So it's so nice. I, I really like what you were saying about, you know, just look in the mirror and decide what do you want to wear? Who do you want to be? You know, what do you want to look like today? And make that about how you feel and not how anybody else feels. So Jill, thank you for that conversation today. As I said, it really resonates with me. I think the thinking, the elevation of thinking around the link between our style and how we reflect ourselves to the world and how we feel, the connection with our emotions, burnout is it's just a fascinating conversation. I want to end with one big question, uh, which is all about empathy for you, really, so we can understand you a little bit better. If you could share breakfast tomorrow with one person, who would it be? Where would you go? And what would you have? Oh, gosh. I'm very simple and comes with these things. And I think it would have been my grandmother. I had such a deepest connection to her. And um, we loved baking cake together. So in our summer house, I, I would do this again. And I would appreciate it better you know what when you have things you kind of don't really it was this stage when I could not really reflect and observe and now that I'm able to be more empathetic it would have been such a different experience oh I love that so grandma summer house and cake for breakfast what a fantastic way to end the show so Jill thank you again for joining us today it really has been a fascinating conversation I will pop in the show notes um, all the information about Avaza and you know what you're doing on that phenomenal hub for, for women and men out there a little bit about your program Realize Wellbeing and and I know you have a very special offer for our listeners as well. So I will pop that all in the show notes. And thank you very much for joining me for breakfast. Thank you so much and love what you are doing. Keep going and I'm always there for you. Thank you. And with that, another episode of the Empathy for Breakfast show comes to a close. I would like to thank IQ Films who produced this episode and DJ Ciel for my soundtrack and music. Do join me online to carry on the conversation. I'm incredibly active on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, at Mimi Nicklin. I would love to talk to you all more. Meanwhile, spread the word, share the empathy. Because after all, the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. I'm Mimi Nicklin. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you again on the Empathy for Breakfast show.